That's why we have two feet. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're made for it. Um, we're designed for it. And um, our bodies really aren't designed to sit all day. So um, we just need to, you know, we just need to follow our, our uh, ancestral biology and stand up and move around. I'm Gina Vasquez for N equals one, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. In this episode, I spoke with two research teams at UC San Diego's School of Medicine who sought to understand sedentary lifestyles, with one study finding that even light physical activity, including just standing, can benefit health, and the other finding that Americans are still sitting too much. It is well documented that exercise and other moderate to vigorous physical activity reduces the risk of many age-related chronic diseases, such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, numerous cancers, Alzheimer's disease, and dementia. However, in the study recently published in the Journals of Gerontology, Medical Sciences, researchers found that just standing still was associated with lower risk for mortality. Led by Dr. Andrea LaCroix, Chief of Epidemiology, the research team at UC San Diego included Dr. John Bellatier, Professor of Epidemiology, and Purva Jane, a doctoral candidate and research fellow. Due to the pandemic, these interviews were recorded remotely by Zoom. So why did we conduct this and what were the major findings? The study was conducted in order to understand if standing has a benefit on the risk of mortality among older women. That's perfect, Jane. Uh, we know that older women are a rapidly growing population and then they also experience a lot of adverse health outcomes. So it's good to find um, potential mechanisms that are safe and feasible for women to improve their health outcomes. The main study was that we had an objectively measured measured standing time among 6,000 older women with almost five years of follow-up. Uh, we were able to use a previously validated machine learning algorithm to separate standing as both standing still and standing and moving around. And after controlling for baseline demographic and health status variables, we found that women who spent the highest time spent in standing behavior saw a largest reduction in the risk of death from any cause. So women who spent time in the highest quartiles of standing still, which was, I would say, an hour, they saw 37% reduction in the risk of mortality. And then we saw this uh, reduction in risk increase when women were standing and moving around. So we would recommend that everyone just stands more. <laughs> I think one of the novelties of this is it's the first study ever to be able to distinguish standing still versus standing and moving around. That's Dr. John Belletier. And that's because we did use artificial intelligence applied to these devices that we asked uh, all uh, 6,000 women to wear. Um, and that gave us the first findings that standing still has health has, is associated with health benefits among older women. These women come from the Women's Health Initiative. They lived all over the United States uh, at the time of this study. That's Dr. Andrea LaCroix. And um, they're, they're just regular people who've, uh, you know, given of their time and effort to improving women's health. So we're indebted to them. Why is this so important? How are the findings different from what we know already? 
So I think the findings are important because we often rec recommend moderate to vigorous physical activity for older women, and that's not always a safe or an achievable goal for you know, that population for a variety of reasons. And so I think it's very beneficial to know that a woman can just stand up and that's such a feasible, feasible behavior. Um, even something you can do at home, you don't need equipment, it doesn't cost any money. Um, you can do it while you're watching TV, while you're doing your chores, like whatever it may be, um, walking around and talking on the phone at home. So I think that's very important because it's not something that's expensive. It's not something that requires you to go outside. Um, and even if you have some health conditions ongoing, which is very likely in this population of older women, it's still something that most of them can do. And in the two prior studies that um, did this kind of research, they had asked their participants if how much they stand on average. And that's very different than what we did. So our study objectively measured this behavior by having women wear the accelerometers and then having the machine learning algorithms classify that accelerometer data into buckets of behavior, whether that's standing, standing while moving, um, walking and running, so on and so forth, sitting down. Um, so we have a more specific measurement of this kind of behavior down to the minute. Um, and then on top of that, the study is different because our study population is focused on older women. Um, prior to this, those studies had a quite a broad range of adults. Um, I would say like 40 to 80 or so. So I think there's two things. One is the way in which we measured our um, exposure, which was standing time. And the second is the population in which we examined the results. And really to put it in a nutshell, it's the very first study that's been able to look at standing still because we applied this artificial intelligence method to the accelerometer data. There have been no studies like this in which you could really quantify standing still separately from standing and moving around and get an accurate assessment. And then just one thing to add to that is we, we really owe a debt of gratitude to Jacqueline Kerr, who, who came up with this accelerometer method for measuring standing still. And she did that by enrolling older adults in a study and asking them to wear a camera that took a photo every 10 seconds and to also wear an accelerometer. So we were able to tell what the accelerometer patterns look like and what was really happening in their environment around them. And that's the, in the artificial intelligence was able to train algorithms to detect patterns that were uh, indicative of standing still. And um, that was, again, it, it's, a, it's an improvement in the measurement science, which allowed us to kind of take it into epidemiology and see what now can we learn about this newly measured behavior that's fairly common in society. Um, and that's, the, we, we just wanted to thank the people whose shoulders we're standing on. That's great. So um, could we apply these findings to both women and men? There are some similar studies out there that look at device-based standing and cardiometabolic biomarkers like glucose, blood pressure, and insulin. And those studies include both men and women and have not found different effects for men and for women. So we have no reason to believe that the effects would be different for men, but we're encouraging future studies to investigate that. So it's estimated that physical inactivity causes more than 5 million deaths per year. And it's been said that this is one of the biggest problems of our modern world. 
How does this statistic relate to your research? Physical inactivity has been defined as not doing moderate vigorous physical activity. It's been classified by not meeting guidelines for moderate vis vigorous physical activity. And, and so this research um, is really saying that physical inactivity is not just the is not just the absence of moderate vigorous physical activity. It, you can get benefit from any movement on your feet, any getting up and any time spent on your feet. So um, we shouldn't classify physical inactivity inclusive of those behaviors that are actually protective and healthy. And that includes light physical activity. It includes standing still and standing and moving around. And then just to piggyback on that a little bit, I, Purvis paper also shows that when you stand and move a little bit, the benefits on risk for mortality are even higher. So, and I, I think what the physical inactivity, we, we're now recognizing more clearly that it's a spectrum, that sitting is probably the worst behavior to be in while standing is beneficial standing while moving a little bit is a little bit more beneficial and then standing with moderate to vigorous intensity activity is the most beneficial. And then in terms of how we could get people to do this, what would you suggest? I mean, it's so easy, right? But if people are still not doing it, unfortunately, you know, what can we, what can we do to help? Well, there's a variety of things. I think one thing, which is not obviously in everyone's budget, is obviously to have something like an Apple Watch where you have these reminders, but it's not necessary that you have the watch to get that done. Um, the main mechanism is that the watch is reminding you once an hour to just stand up, you know, when you've been sitting for a long time. Um, so the main thing is to break up these behaviors. So I think the main thing to do is figure out ways to probably remind individuals to stand up in addition to whatever they're already doing throughout their day and breaking up that sitting time. I think that's the key. So that might be, I don't know, something as simple for me, like a good example would be um, if you're watching TV for one hour straight, then during the commercial, um, try to stand up. Or if you're going to sit on the phone and have a conversation, then just stand up. Paying attention to your behavior is the first step. And I think calling, calling this a calling out the fact that standing has some beneficial associations with health might make people look at how often they are spending on their feet standing. Um, and then I think Prabha mentioned some really good prompts that can be used to um, nudge people to spend a little bit more time standing up. And I, I think Prabha and I were talking about this earlier and she said something that I just really liked and it, it was about finding what works for you and finding those prompts that will fit into your life that can improve your uh, recognition that, oh, I need to get up and move a little bit more. And there's a whole spectrum of different ideas that can get people to stand more. But um, I think what we need to do now is start studying it. For a long time, we didn't know that standing was important. And now with this study, we have some evidence that we need to study it a little. We, we need to learn a little bit more about that behavior. And if our findings replicate in other cohorts, then I, I can envision a whole line of research moving in that direction. Yeah, and I think one thing to reiterate about 
what John said is that the mechanisms to get people to stand more that are potentially there that we could study or that may already exist and the behavior itself is they're very cost efficient and so you don't need like fifty dollar um, monthly memberships to something or you don't need any equipment in your house and i think that's very important to make this a more widespread and behavior that can be easily implemented in terms of the pandemic playing a role, is sedentary time even more of an issue as we all shelter in place and work from home? Yeah, I think that we are seeing a lot of people spending more time indoors due to a combination of the pandemic. Also, you know, being in California, we're very mindful and aware of the poor air quality, which results in even more time spent indoors, especially for people who are at risk, even when that air quality is at a moderate level. Um, so again, like, this is another behavior that we would definitely recommend that you can do indoors. And that could be, you know, just walking to the kitchen and standing for a bit or standing in front of the computer and putting, sticking that laptop on top of the counter and just working there. And you don't have to buy a standing desk. It's a, another cheap option. Um, and maybe even standing and talking to someone who's in the house instead of sitting and having a long conversation or standing and having a snack instead of sitting and eating the snack. So I think that this kind of behavior um, could benefit people of all ages since we're all collectively spending more time inside. And that may not be going away anytime soon. At some point, the pandemic is gonna be over. And I think that when that happens, it'll be another opportunity to start new habits because we all have had to start new habits as this pandemic began. And so hopefully with the new information that's coming out about the dangers of sitting too much and the benefits of just standing a little bit, when we do start to create those new habits after this is all over, we can incorporate just standing more into our everyday routines. Okay, so why is standing so great? Well, we don't know the mechanisms that are at play that are leading the, to the association between standing without moving and reduced mortality risk. Um, I think that, that it could be circulatory. Um, it could have to do with um, muscle engagement and energy expenditure necessary to engage those stabilization muscles. The act of getting up in general could be viewed as an exercise. And for older adults, it is an exercise that we encourage. Um, and so it, because it does strengthen the muscles and balance and improve other aspects of health, but what this line of research in the future can lead to is these mechanistic studies to better understand what is it about standing that might be beneficial to health. We also need to explore other health outcomes that standing might benefit. Right now we we investigated, um, all cause mortality. We want to look at cardiovascular disease and diabetes and cancer and mobility disability and a whole host of other health conditions that play a major role in our lives. So I think what I'm saying is that is um, that we just need to do a lot more investigation um, into what it is that's causing the standing to improve health. Expanding on such investigations, researchers in another study from UC San Diego used physical activity data collected from a survey of farmers in rural Malawi whose lives are minimally affected by technology and compared it to lifestyles of Americans. 
led by Dr. Michael Pratt, Director of the Institute for Public Health, and Dr. James Salas, Distinguished Professor Emeritus of Family Medicine and Public Health. The team sought to investigate the potential impact of technology-dominated lifestyles on sanitary time and physical activity. From their research, they've determined that Americans are still sitting too much. So tell us about this study. That's for you, Mike. So we had a really nice opportunity to work with the World Bank, uh, an unusual partner for us at UC San Diego, to look at a rural population in Malawi, a country in sub-Saharan Africa. That's Dr. Michael Pratt. And uh, why in the world did the World Bank come to us with this? Because they realized that accurately measuring physical activity might be important for people who um, work out in agriculture and in an environment with few, if any, cars, no electricity, and um, lots of, of physical demand. So they really wanted to assess whether these people were too active for their health. For us, this was fascinating because it's a chance to look at a population uh, of the sort that we almost never study uh, in the part of the world that probably resembles what uh, our country might have looked like a hundred years ago, uh, where there were a lot of people working on farms and not much mechanization. And so this was a wonderful opportunity, a great partnership. And what did we do? We put a device called an accelerometer, uh, which is sort of a, a research Fitbit essentially, on uh, 400 some adults from between the ages of 15 and 85 who were agricultural workers. And we tracked their physical activity with these devices um, over two weeks of time and uh, did, did this with the help of the World Bank survey team who are experts in working in this part of the world and uh, Dr. Salas's research team here at UC San Diego that has done this in many cities and countries around the world. So our experts with this type of methodology. And our goal was really fairly simple to see what were the physical activity and sedentary time patterns of this group of agricultural workers in Malawi. And because Dr. Salas's team has worked in this area extensively, we were also able to put together a very good comparison population drawn from similar studies done uh, in the United States. So we had a, a Malawi population of agricultural workers and a population of similar aged adults drawn from a couple of cities in the United States. What were some of the findings and why is this important? How, how can we apply it here in the United States? I'll quickly summarize our main results and then I'll let Dr. Salas wax poetic on why this is important. <laughs> we think the findings have a lot of significance, both for countries like Malawi, but maybe even more so for countries like the United States, places like San Diego. So first, what did we find? Um, we found, perhaps not surprisingly to anybody, that rural agriculture workers in Malawi are way more physically active than typical adults in the United States, or for that matter, pretty much any other city in the world where we've measured this. And exactly how are they more active? 
they're about two and a half times more vigorously physically active. In most places, people get around 30 minutes of, vigor, of moderate and vigorous physical activity on a daily basis, 30 or 40. In Malawi, it was about 85 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity. Perhaps even more important though, was how they split the rest of their time. And here in the US, not surprisingly, we sit for most of the rest of that time. And that's not particularly good for us as other studies are starting to show. In Malawi, they move around almost constantly. And so the two big differences were much more just moving around physical activity, what we would refer to as highlight activity. So that's moving around at the equivalent of a slow walk, picking stuff up, uh, just doing things, being up on your feet. And the uh, workers in Malawi spent far less time sedentary or sitting. And we think this has real implications. Yeah? Okay, so what does this mean or what might it mean? That's Dr. James Salas. Um, well, one of the reasons we were interested in making these uh, comparisons is that um, we know that uh, from many studies that people in uh, most countries and most cities in the, uh, here in the 21st century are not nearly active enough for their health. Um, with physical inactivity um, responsible for 5 million deaths per year um, across the world, um, physical inactivity is one of our biggest health challenges of this, of this century. And um, so we, we have uh, lots of studies showing that uh, people who are more active uh, have many fewer health problems and live longer. Um, but we don't know how, what is maybe the optimal uh, amount of activity, or what is the amount of activity that we evolved doing? Because uh, we think if we, if we um, were at very high levels of activity through thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, that might be a clue about how active we should be now for optimal health. But we don't have records of how active people were, even 50 years ago. Um, we just didn't know how to measure it. We didn't bother measuring it. We didn't think it was important. Now we know it's important. Um, so um, to get an idea of how active were our ancestors would be extremely useful. And it's similar to uh, people interested in healthy diets. You know, what kind of diets did people have in past centuries? Um, what did we evolve eating? And how far away from that are we now? Well, we had the same questions about physical activity. Um, and uh, there's just not been much study uh, or, or many opportunities to study how how active were people who have what we might call traditional lifestyle? And that's what these uh, Malawi uh, uh, farmers were. And uh, so as, as Mike mentioned, they were uh, farmers, they're farming today, but they're not farming the way that uh, many farmers farm today. 
They don't have any equipment. They, um, they can't drive anywhere. They don't have motorized vehicles and they don't even have electricity in their homes at least. So, um, so it really is like a, a look into the past. Um, so we don't know, we can't be sure how these farmers' lifestyles compared to Malawi farmy, farmers 100 years ago or 500 years ago, um, but they're about the closest that we can come to people who are living a non-technological, traditional lifestyle that requires physical activity in these modern times. And so we make these uh, we were able to make these comparisons with Americans and the results, the difference was dramatic. And one of the, one of the summaries uh, of the findings was that we compared um, the percent of each population that meets the current physical activity guidelines. And the current guidelines for adults are to do 150 minutes a week of moderate to vigorous activity. Um, that's it, at least that. And for these Malawi uh, farmers, 94% of them met that guideline. So by comparison, in the US, 55%. So half, just about half the, the population. So half the number meeting uh, guidelines in, in modern times. So that might mean, one interpretation of that is that in past times, our ancestors were at least twice as active physically as we are. So that's a big difference. And if, if I can add to, add to that, just you know, we mentioned that uh, the farmers in Malawi uh, spent less time sitting or less sedentary. Well, how much less? A little bit more than two hours a day, less sedentary time than in the US. And how did they use that time? About an hour and a half of it was just moving around what we would call light activity, and the, and the remainder, a little more, around 40 minutes or so, was actually doing uh, moderate physical activity. And interestingly, there was basically no difference in the amount of vigorous physical activity that uh, adults in the U.S. and adults in Malawi live. And this is also a really interesting finding, and, and we might reflect on this later, because while we sometimes, when we think of exercise and health, our first thoughts typically go to, oh, running, swimming, bicycle riding, singles tennis, and, and all these things that are in fact vigorous, they are very good for people, but that's not actually how most people anywhere spend their time. And the real message for health is spend less time sitting and more time moving around and don't worry too much about how vigorous that movement is. How can we apply this to overall health benefits? Jim, do you want to start that one? Um, yeah, I might start it in, a little bit in left field uh, and you can... Uh... No, that's great. Go for okay. it. <laughs> okay, okay, very good. Well, one thing that we know is that um, uh, people who live in rural parts of Africa uh, from various studies, tend to be relatively healthy, uh, from the, at least from the point of view of chronic diseases. They're much less likely to have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, diabetes. But when they move to the city, then, 
and their lifestyles become more like closer to what we do in the United States, um, then um, their chronic diseases uh, uh, tick up. So they start getting hypertension. They have high cholesterol. They're likely to get heart disease and, uh, and diabetes and, and their uh, body fat and uh, weight goes up. So, so we have indirect evidence that, um, uh, well, we have direct evidence that living in the country, uh, like where these Malawi people live, is healthier for chronic disease. It might be worse for infectious disease because they maybe may don't maybe they don't have clean water and they don't have access to health care and and you know there's parasites and and those sort of things. But for the chronic diseases, um, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and, uh, and lung disease, they kill seven sixty five percent of people in the world, across the world. So these are the modern scourges. And we're focused right now on infectious diseases, but we, we should not forget that uh, people that are dying of COVID-19 are not, not only tend to be older, they almost all have chronic disease. So we, even in, in this time of the pandemic, we should not forget about chronic disease. All right, so what's the other connection here? So they're healthier uh, for chronic disease if they live in the country than in the city. And what's different about living in the city? Well, one is you are surrounded by and, and using technology all the time. Um, so they're gonna accumulate more sedentary time uh, because of that. So I, I think that um, these, uh, uh, these kind of indirect uh, pieces of evidence are, are help us have some confidence that the pattern that we're seeing in these Malawi farmers makes sense, that they would be so much more active um, than, um, uh, than Americans, for example. Yeah, let me, let me add a little bit to that. So, uh, I mean, first, we do need to be careful extending our, our study out to implications for health effects, because we didn't actually study them in the study. But we very carefully studied patterns of movement, which we know from hundreds of other studies are associated with health effects. So it's not really going out on a limb to say, ah, it looks like in the past, we, we probably moved a great deal more and that had uh, a very positive effect on reducing our risk for, for the, as Dr. Salas put it, the modern scourges of chronic disease. And I, to me, the other interesting implication for this is, first, just how much more active people living a traditional lifestyle are. You know, that, that, that we have replaced roughly two and a half hours of moving around with two and a half hours of sitting on our butts. And, and, and you just don't have to be a, you know, somebody with six degrees behind your name to go, that's probably not a good thing. And the, the second implication to me is that, um, is, is one that has resonance to those of us who have been working for many years trying to get populations in the US and in other countries to be more active. And, and frankly, we haven't done a terribly good job. Done a good job on the research, but in comparison to how well public health research has been translated to practice 
to bring down smoking rates, to increase seatbelt use, to reduce transmission of and, and improve treatment of HIV, we haven't, we haven't moved the needle much in physical activity. We're roughly as inactive as we were uh, a few decades ago. Some groups are a little better, some are a little worse. Overall, almost no change. And, and so you have to ask, why is this? <laughs> what have we been doing wrong? And the, the findings in this study and in uh, Dr. LaCroix's study as well, make me think part of this may be that we've focused on the wrong part of the activity spectrum. That initially, most of our efforts to get people physically active were focused on vigorous physical activity. Let's, let's push and have a running boom. Let's get more people doing marathons and 10Ks and taking part in, in vigorous aerobics classes and cycling and swimming, you know, very traditional sports. And you know, our, our study shows almost nobody does this type of activity, whether you're in the US or Malawi. So you could double the amount and it wouldn't make much of a difference. And then the, 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 the movement has then been towards uh, promoting moderate physical activity. And this is a very, clearly a very good thing. Get people walking. Walking is a fantastic public health measure, but perhaps we have to extend that a little bit more, get people moving more, just get them moving around a little bit, sitting less, uh, standing up occasionally, and uh, we may be able to reach more people, provide more options, and make more headway if we learn from these two studies uh, and, and we, we take advantage of the fact that it looks like a healthier lifestyle can mean not just being more vigorously physically active, not just walking for 45 minutes a day, but just getting up and moving around. Activity is good for you and it's just, <laughs> it's, a, it's a shame that uh, we don't have more people moving and, and in public health, we don't give it the sense of urgency that it deserves. So if you can help us get that word out, uh, we would be appreciative. That's it for this episode. You can find this episode and all our past N equals one episodes at health.ucsd.edu slash podcast, as well as on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us.